Hello, I'm Eileen Bello. Hi, I am Reginald Centeno. And I am Tanya Librilla, and we are psychologists from the Ateneo LS Office of Guidance and Counseling. Okay, so hello again, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Coffee Sessions with Your Counselors. It's been a while since we all got together to record another episode, so baka na miss na kami. A lot has happened in the past couple of weeks, and we hope all our listeners are safe and well naman. As you're listening to this uh, podcast episode, you can always check us out on Spotify or Apple Music. All right. Yeah, so this episode, uh, for this episode, we will be discussing about disaster response and resiliency issues, as well as uh, touching on the academic phrase. We will be talking about what students think about resilience, especially also the resiliency of today's youth. Um, one point of discussion would be how resilience through the years and through many events may have changed or may have shifted its meaning. And we will also zoom in on how uh, the disasters or recent typhoons affected the well-being of students, especially the scholars. We will also touch on the academic freeze uh, issue for today. Mm-hmm. That's right. So today we are joined by Leonard Perez, a member of the Bar Organization and a scholar. And he's also um, a third-year student from Management Engineering and a deputy for finance of the same um, organization, Dubai. So welcome, Leonard. Thank you for joining us today. How are you today? Hello. Thank you for inviting me. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm doing well, and it's good to be here. Mm -hmm. How have you been this past few weeks? Um, So far, the situation in the news and the has been a bit kind of shakening me, but so far I'm doing great with my family here in um, CDO after the lockdown was imposed around last March. So, oh, okay. Let's go shout okay. out to CDO. So, yeah, and all the Athenians yes. over there. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay, so I hope it's okay with you uh, that we start now with uh, the in- the episode today. You know. Before anything else, would like to ask, what is resilience for you and what do you think it entails? Uh, for me, there are many words that comes into mind when we speak of resilience. I think the most basic thing that I can come up with is, is like it's building back better from some shock that a person or a community faced. Um, being resilient also entails being flexible on whatever challenges that um, life throws at you. and. I think resiliency, an ingredient, because I think some people try to associate resiliency with um, being able to respond proactively towards a particular problem. But for me, I think preparation plays an important role in developing resiliency. So looking at the past, looking at how you will prepare to future shocks, I think that's also important when talking about resiliency. Wow, that's so nice. I mean, I I actually have not... uh looked at it that way that uh, uh, preparation is actually important. Parang preparation in terms of introspection, is that what you mean, Leonard? That reflecting before, um, before and helping, helping you bounce back through that? Definitely. Um, becoming prepared at um, whatever surprises or um, difficulties that you would face along the way, I think that's really an important component of being resilient. Okay, so you mentioned, uh, uh, Leonard, uh, the importance of being flexible and being able to respond and prepare. Kumbaga, uh, pagiging handa ano, sa mga sitwasyon na darating. So, 
to talk about that a bit more, uh, I want to pick your mind a little bit and ask you, parang kasing resilience has been mentioned a lot whenever calamities happen in the country. And being in the Philippines, madalas tayo tamaan nga ng mga kalamidad, ng mga bagyo. So I want to ask you from a Filipino to another Filipino, what do you think it means for Filipinos to be resilient? Um, probably I would try to start with um, how, you know, yung common quote-unquote understanding of resiliency of how it's portrayed in media and films, etc. Because for some, it's like the, if you are a resilient Filipino, then typhoon after typhoon, then you should be doing great. You should be Mm-hmm. Just you should be, you should just be fine now. But for me, I think resiliency runs deeper than that. Resiliency is more than being able to prepare for whatever um, typhoon eruption, a uh, typhoon or volcanic eruption that can arise. I think being resilient as a Filipino means that we try to include each and everyone in whatever we do. Because um, I would like to argue that resiliency is not just it's not just a personal thing. It's not something that only occurs in each and everyone's silo, but it's something that we as a community, we as, for example, tayo as an Ateneo community or tayo as one Filipino nation tries to parang adapt or tries to build on. So, because um, when we try to include each and everyone, we're not just increasing our capabilities for resilience, but we're overall trying to increase the um, our kumbaga, strength against potential disasters in the future. So, yun nga. Um, I, what I'm trying to say is that social exclusion can lead to um, increased resilience. I know, wait. Being, yung, kumbaga, yung social exclusion, pwede niyang i-reduce yung resilience, kaya kailangan talagang in one Bayanian spirit, kailangan we need to um, help and support each other if we want to be. Yeah, I like how you said that. Uh, that really goes to that uh, old Filipino trait that we all have, yung yeah. pagkabayanihan. Yeah. Exactly. Or pagkwapwa. Na parang we are in solidarity with whatever is happening to the general population or in the general setup. Ika nga, together we stand divided, we fall down. Yeah, yeah. So I say, Goro, resilience is. Um, Used a, a term used a lot by Filipinos because it it ties up very well with the culture that we already have, which is the Filipino community is very close knit. Parang you can't um parang you can't escape. It's escape the right word. Your relatives, your family, your friends, and parang from there, from what Leonard said, na social support is very important in resilience, not just individually. Mm-hmm. Parang isa din sa isang magandang na-highlight ni Leonard yung inclusion, no? That mm-hmm. it's not a personal thing lang to be resilient, but it's mm-hmm. actually a community thing that we we have to include anyone. Mm-hmm. Also, like, parang putting a sense of compassion to other people, I guess. Yung idea ng kapwa. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Parang ano nga, it, gives, it reminds us that uh, no matter who we are or where we are, Parang we have a certain responsibility. There is something we can always do to be united nga and uh, to be inclusive. Kagaya ng sabi ni Leonard. And it's a it's a it's a very nice way. It's a it's a very nice way to uh, talk about resilience. But uh, Leonard, do you think that I guess over time, um, 
with everything that Filipinos have gone through uh, with, the, with the climate right now, political climate, do you think resilience has taken on a different meaning? I think there have been some misconceptions about the concept that we have encountered um, during this past few weeks. And I think one common misconception about resilience is that a person by himself or herself could be resilient, which I think is not that true because as we have mentioned, as what we've talking about, um, personal relationships are important if we were to build resiliency. So I would like to disagree with um, how media commonly portrays that um, oh, this particular family has been resilient, that particular mm. family has been resilient, when in fact, if you try to um, talk to them in an intimate way, parang probably they would say that um, they were just getting by, that probably they were just um, lucky that they've been able to um, go through the previous disasters when in fact they could have, when, when in fact they actually have needed um, more support from yeah other people during those difficult times. So again, the interconnectedness of us, of us Filipinos, is really something that we must ponder on. Mm-hmm. And uh, do you think that because of that, society's response, because of that portrayal of the media, the response to these disasters, this, the response to these calamities have also shifted or have been somewhat Complacent. I agree that there has been um, some complacency after a disaster has been quote-unquote resolved because um, what I commonly see is that there are particular new cycles that um, these disasters entail. So for example, okay, disaster, um, Typhoon A came, so ito nagkaroon ng baha, ganon-ganon. Then mm-hmm. probably after a few weeks or so, wala na, tahimik na sa media. But when we try to um, speak to the people on ground, we need to recognize that, um, how, do, how do we say this? <laughs> that um, they still have a lot of needs that need to be uh, addressed. Parang yes, parang. yes, mm-hmm. yes. Now, it's not resolved at all. Uh, it's, yes. not, it's just not shown in the media or, yeah. or the, I guess the, uh, the people um, have moved on from it. But, the people, uh, but those who have, are affected still has not. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or, or they're still trying to process what happened, they're still trying to review their lives. Mm-hmm. And it's not usually shown in the media. Mm-hmm. Parang tip of the iceberg lang. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When we speak of resilience, parang there is emphasis on the post, um, post-disaster aspect of it when mm-hmm. parang we sometimes, we as a community or we, media institutions fail to take into account um, what were the things that actually went wrong which led to um, decreased resilience? Yeah. Because um, more often than not, we're too um, emphasized on um, the effects, the aftermath, the visible um, outcomes of a particular unfortunate disaster. But sometimes we try to fail to see or perhaps ponder on as a community about why those particular um, unfortunate events actually occurred in the first place. So. When we speak of resiliency, as mentioned again earlier, um, we should try to recognize that it's something, it's a trait that builds on habits. It's something that builds over time. And Mm -hmm. it's certainly a function of 
a person's previous experiences, both from his or her family or from his or her local government. And it's also a function of the actions or inactions of institutions around him or her that actually has this really, really, really very big impact towards the resiliency of that person. So, ayun. yeah, yeah, um, it kind of uh, it kind of feels like uh, instead of uh, doing something about it, or I guess the word would be accountability, the word in turns turn uh, just becomes resiliency. So uh, the cycle, the vicious cycle, just keeps going on and on. And uh, as Dinard said. It should be a habit that uh, there's preparation for this, that uh, it should not keep happening again when there is accountability or when there is something, there's action done instead of uh, just inaction and just uh, mm -hmm. falling back on resiliency that people can handle this, that people can do this. They can handle it because it seems like they don't have a choice when in mm -hmm. the first place, they shouldn't have to handle it when there are institutions that they can fall back on, institutions that help them, and people around them as well, like the community. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So far, far from this point, no, it seems like resilience is an aspect of resilience is also systemic, no. So it's mm -hmm. individual. Yes, you have you have your own way of uh, building your own resilience, and you build it by habits. And then there's also community that supports you and strengthens you as you continue building on your resilience. Yeah. Uh, Leonard, with, with the recent disasters, disasters and the past ones that occur, it's affecting everyone in different ways. So it, it depends on the context, how much they, uh, or how, or the gravity of um, the recent events, no? How do you think it affects you personally and, or, so first, how do you think it affects you? And then how do you think it affects the youth, especially um, in the aspects of well-being? Mm, okay. Um, personally, of course, these um, recent um, both natural and man-made disasters have been um, quite taking a toll on me and my mental health. So um, it's very, um, from the perspective of somebody young, it's very... Um, painful or disheartening to see these um, situations that are happening all across the globe, no? not just in the Philippines. Um, you see, our, um, from my eyes, I personally feel that the world is becoming more complex, more um, fearful to live in, so to speak. Um, you see the increasing effects of climate change and you also have um, um, governments that are not adequately responding towards um, multiple crises that are happening around me. So it's certainly making it hard for me to become resilient in the face of events that are happening around me. And I guess for the youth, um, of course, today's times have become more volatile and uncertain than ever given the coronavirus pandemic and all the other crises, especially the um, climate change crisis that we're currently facing right now. So it's certainly um, putting people on, it's, how do we say this? It's somehow, I should say, taking the hopes out of people. But at the end of the day, what I'm really very, um, what I'm happy about given these um, situations is that I've seen the youth um, rise up against this um, 
against these disasters, against these unfortunate events, and tried to um, give their best foot forward in um, exhibiting resiliency and exhibiting what today's youth actually means. We've seen um, many um, donation drives organized by our, our um, Athenian organizations in mm -hmm. trying to respond mm -hmm. as quickly as possible towards these disasters. So you could see that, yes, while we are um, facing this world where that becomes more um, disastrous as ever, that's becoming more hazardous to live in, we're actually seeing in our youth their um, forward-lookingness that they're trying to build amidst these diversity, they're trying to build a future that would be habitable for all, such as yeah. um, how they try to, to um, collaborate and partake in these projects that would give meaningful, meaningful impact towards other people. Yeah, yeah. It seems like uh, I'm very, very proud of the youth because of uh, the, they have taken this on. Makasalita ako ng youth. We're not that old. <laughs> we're part of the youth, yeah. Yes, yes we're still um, millennials. Uh, yes. But yeah, Sina Leonard, they're a younger generation uh, mm -hmm. than us. And uh, as he said, despite what they have, you know, what they're also going through with their own personal well-being, they seem to have taken on this task as well, this uh, huge responsibility on their shoulders mm -hmm. to mobilize themselves and to try to help out uh, Whatever, with whatever they mm -hmm. can. Yeah, yeah. And mm -hmm. uh, I, personally, Leonard, I really appreciate that we have this moment to share uh, our di uh, the, our insights together to have this dialogue. Even though na it's just you here with us, I think it's a good direction to have this opportunity that we can talk. Kapo kapo youth naman tayo dito. And it's good to hear nga, uh, where the direction the youth is going towards to parang. I'm, I'm getting the feel of, of hope that uh, you're talking about resiliency and how you become more proactive and collaborating and having various movements. It's really a good thing to talk about right now and to highlight that there are things like this in this moment. Part of the, the movements uh, that we've had and uh, we've been observing, Leonard, is I'm, I, I want to ask you, you know, we're I want to hear your thoughts about the academic freeze because as you know, in response to the recent events, the academic freeze is a term that keeps coming back and keeps being discussed. So, uh, para sa iyo ba, what, what is it and uh, what are your thoughts on it? Okay, um, this is quite difficult but mm -hmm. I'll try. <laughs> Sige lang. Okay, it's okay. <laughs> um, given the... Given the recent um, events that has been happening um, throughout the country from the pandemic to the um, inadequate response of the government to the economic recession that's currently going on, um, many students such as me feel the need to pause muna tayo and try to um, take care ourselves a little bit more and try to... Um, put aside those um, academic requirements first. So this has been the rationale of the um, petition to freeze first the academic um, calendar for um, many schools, including an Ateneo. So there's a, also a petition in Ateneo. And um, personally, I agree with um, the, their calls for academic freeze because um, I personally feel that it's becoming more and more 
um, difficult to study in an environment that's quite volatile and uncertain that um, you can't seem to muster yourself to focus on fulfilling your modules or your academic requirements. So for me, I would agree with um, freezing the academic calendar first until things settle down. But the, but the problem here is that kailan, kailan, when will things get better, which is quite a difficult um, issue to tackle because as of now, it's very uncertain about when things would end or when this um, pandemic would end, when this um, economic downturn would actually subside. So there's this issue of until when, which actually would make it difficult for um, other stakeholders in the um, academic community to perhaps um, cope up if we face a prolonged academic freeze. So for example, um, what would happen to um, um, other non-teaching personnel, each other? I actually have um, a friend's mother here in Cagendi Oro who was laid off because um, because she, she works for the local library. I, she works for the high school library and she was unfortunately asked to leave first because um, yun nga, face-to-face classes has been suspended and parang it was deemed necessary to, it was already, de- it, her job was parang deemed unnecessary daw, kumbaga, which is very unfortunate. So when we speak of academic freeze, I personally would argue that uh, let's take a pause siguro for um, until things actually gets better and because there's no assurance that things would be completely better as life is, probably during that particular break, we could try to come together as a community and, re- and try to brainstorm about how best to um, be flexible and respond to these challenges that are currently happening. So, yun nga. so we need to consider the costs of um, implementing an academic freeze and while we are undergoing this limited amount of time of academic freeze, I think it would be helpful to consider alternatives that we could explore post-academic freeze like, for example, we could explore using the dorms in the university for students who really need um, access for stable internet connection or probably a decent housing, kumbaga, etc. So, mm-hmm. So parang time out muna and just let's revisit the game plan and let's all work on it to find a better game plan than the one we have now. Parang ganun. Exactly. Mm-hmm. But, but I'm also hearing na one of the main reasons for a suggestion of an academic freeze is for, the, for students particularly to focus on their self. No? So parang self-care, prioritizing, well-being. Mm. And I think that's an important thing. No? And given our new reality, it's becoming more um, prevalent that uh, we need to really take care of ourselves. Yes, yes. Especially now that, as Leonard also said, times are very uncertain. And along with that, um, yung ebb and flow of your anxiety also mm-hmm. along with, with the uncertainty. Um, something may happen at this point and then you don't know what's going to happen next. And then uh, your mental health just suffers alongside that mm-hmm. as well. So it is a, it is a, a kind of a difficult time for everyone. And, um, but Leonard, you did 
very well with that question, even though you said earlier that it was quite difficult. Um, yes. Thank you for such an eloquent and comprehensive answer uh, mm-hmm. on that. Um, siguro to, I guess, to close this or to end. Uh, I would like to add the lang siguro oh, to, sige, go ahead, go if ahead. it's okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, being a scholar, of course, since probably high school, um, I have been facing this, um, the primary task that I have really is like to study, diba? or in my case, a scholar, to maintain my scholarship and make sure that my parents are proud, etc. But I think change, I think time has changed since then. Um, it has become, as we've mentioned, as we've been talking about, I think volatile is the keyword here. It has becoming more um, unpredictable. So mm-hmm. if we were to, if we were to want our youth today to become more prepared towards the future, dapat hindi nat, dapat we need to provide them with um, nourishment or support today. Because if we try to, for example, um, if we put too much burden towards a student today in the name of grades or in the name of fulfilling these academic requirements, then probably we wouldn't have a motivated and hopeful youth in the future then. So there's this um, idea that while um, being at school or facing requirements is a must, of course that is a must, that is always a must. I think we need to look into the necessary context that is needed for students to thrive. And if those Mm -hmm. um, contexts or if if those um, particular surroundings of a student aren't sufficiently met, then that's the time that we should all pause and try to figure out how to make things better. Mm-hmm. So it's more, uh, it's more focusing on the present now, being more proactive now rather than reactive in the end, wherein um, the future or the youth um, can, no longer, can no longer function or can no, are no longer in a good place. So while you feel like um, it's still doable now, it's better to focus on that. So it's like preparation, preparing mm-hmm. for this changing future. Yes, yes. Yes, yes. Okay. So um, thank you for that, Leonard. Before, I guess, just as a closing, um, do you have a message or something you would like to say uh, to students such as yourself in the Ateneo community? Uh, right now, if there's anything you would like to say uh, to them, student to student. Okay, sige. Mga kapwa ko, estudante. Eh, joke lang. Ito na yung serious. We need to recognize that um, challenges or ups and downs are inherent parts of life and unfortunately, by design, it cannot be erased by life. And so, we students, um, we need to try our best to um, adapt and be flexible as much as possible to the circumstances that we find ourselves in. Um, despite the virtual space that we're in right now, despite the limited physical support that we can get from each other, I hope that we could try to be positive and look at the good side of things. However, this um, sort of optimism should it just be optimism alone? Mm-hmm. Um, we students currently in Ateneo, I'm very um, proud that we're standing up towards 
writing the wrong or making the wrong right, which entails demanding accountability from our government leaders and ensuring that systems, institutions, and processes are kind of corrupt-free and effective in the, in the near future because after all, tayo din lang naman yung mag-inherit ng current system that we have. So while we remain optimistic, we should remain, we should be, while we remain optimistic, we should be vigilant and try to demand accountability from our current leaders and hopefully in that way, we could try to enter a future which would be livable, habitable, which would something that I hope that we could enter a future that would be habitable, livable, and something that we can be proud of. Very well said. Very yes. well said. Thank, we, thank you, Leonard, for joining us. We learned a lot from you today, and we are very thankful that um, you gave us this opportunity to have this dialogue with you. Mm -hmm. Yes. And thank you so much, and I really appreciate it. Yeah, despite some of the questions being a bit uh, Tricky, maybe, or difficult. You were, you, were, you did your well. You did uh, well to, uh, no, to answer. Mm -hmm. And personally, I gained a lot of insights from the perspective of the youth today. No, although, although we are still considered youth, iba para yung parang when you are a student, no, and facing mm, all yeah. these, all mm -hmm. these uncertainty and all these volatile circumstances, must be really, really difficult. No, mm. and to find hope and to be optimistic is. A strength, I guess, mm -hmm. in this kind of time. Mm -hmm. so, mm -hmm. And it's also, I mean, I guess this, hopefully we can also help the youth, um, as Leonard said, not only to, to have a habitable place in the future, but a place where we can, they, they can thrive in. Because uh, as he also mm -hmm. said, they will be the ones who will, I know, who will um, inherit uh, this, uh, this land the system that we are currently living in mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that's right and in the spirit of dialogue like just like this podcast na medyo in, in infancy pa lang, parang mm -hmm. we hope na we can always and continue have uh, dialogue such as this uh, in different kinds of matters for the students our students and what we can do together and i hope we can continue that yes mm -hmm. all right mm -hmm. okay so in this episode we talked about Topics such as resiliency, we talked about how resiliency is about being flexible, it's about responding proactively. Our guest, Leonard, also talked about that importance of preparation, being ready individually and also as a whole community, as, as Filipinos doing the best that we could together. But it's more than that, it's also thinking of others, of your kapwa and doing things together in the in the form of Bayanihan. It's also highlighted in this episode that personal relationship is important in building our own resilience. And sometimes um, there are things that are shown in the media that um, we can disagree with, or sometimes the media is not a clear picture of what's really happening. And in this episode, it was also highlighted that it's important to um, ask for accountability for people who um, need who needs to take responsibility for the greater good. And also in this episode, being uh, resiliency the topic, it it also touch bases on uh, the challenges that we all experience. And 
having that discussion with Leonard, we talked about its effects on the youth and how it really takes a toll on the mental health uh, with our students, with the youth, and everyone in general. Uh, it was mentioned that there, there can be some pain, frustrations, which really makes it uh, challenging to be resilient, resilient at this time. And it allows our youth to, to do something about it to rise up and be more proactive, to have certain movements, to think of different strategies, and of course, to collaborate, showing that there is hope, that there is something we can do. And part of those movements is some, some one of the things that uh, is taking, taking a lot of uh, limelight, which is the academic freeze. And talking with Leonard, it was uh, shown that the, with the academic freeze, the importance of taking a pause to be able to take care of ourselves, to, to allow us to become uh, in the moment to respond to the needs there because it can really be difficult to focus at times with everything going on. It's hard to just think about uh, studying and the lessons. It makes one think about when will things get better and to really explore what the freeze will be about, the effects of the, the freeze for everyone, not just for the students, and can allow us to formulate strategize on what we can do now mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and in closing uh in some in summary of that leonard had had a message uh to fellow students and i guess to the ateneo community as well um, recognizing that challenges are just a part of life and we are we try our best to adapt and be flexible to that but at the same time in the same breath being positive uh, should not it's not it shouldn't end there not to leave it at just optimism there should be uh, a stand from uh, from wrong to right and to always be vigilant to always um, uh, demand accountability because as he said uh, especially for the youth who will inhabit um, uh, to, who will sorry inherit uh, uh, everything in the future uh, we can make it as habitable, livable, and a place where we can all be proud of, we can all uh, thrive in. And um, for the youth, for the students of Ateneo community, if there's a, if you need a space, if you need a safe space for you to be able to, ha to help you adjust, to help you adapt, and maybe you just want to talk it out or process some things, uh, the Office of uh, Guidance and Counseling is always open um, see, for you to, uh, for your uh, thoughts to just talk with us if you want uh, uh, individual counseling or if that's not something you're comfortable with, you can also just join our programs. We have uh, programs in the office such as the Wellness Toolkit, uh, and online programs as well that would be able to help you if you are still not ready for um, individual sessions with your counselor. So hopefully we were able to impart uh, knowledge uh, to you right now, gave you thoughts to ponder on because Leonard certainly gave us thoughts to ponder on. We learned from him as, and hopefully we, he learned from us as well. Uh, so for today, we are posting the link of today's episode in our LSOGC Facebook page. That's the Ellis Office of Guidance and Counseling. But you can always check us out in Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Just look up Coffee Sessions with your counselors. 
If you have any questions or comments or thoughts about what's striking for you in today's episode, feel free as well to comment in our Facebook page. Once again, this is Coffee Sessions with your counselors. I'm Eileen Delio. I'm Reginald Centeno. And I'm Tanya Librilla. Stay well and healthy, everyone. We'll see you soon. See you soon. Bye.